I thought I moved it back, and it wasn't until you guys were up here praying, I'm like, oh, I left the podium up there. So uh, that wasn't intentional, please. Um, thankful for being in the house this morning. Thankful for all that God is. Amen? You thankful for who Jesus is? Amen? And what he means in your life. We're thankful for that this morning. Um, just to reiterate what, what Bethany said, and apologies, we didn't catch it um, before. Um, family fun day is next Sunday, right after service. Um, we will get everything tore down, cleaned up, and we're going to have a, um, what I'm calling a crock pot luck, right? You have crock pot, and then you have pot luck. So we're putting it all together and making it crock pot luck dinner, right? Some, some like that as much as I do, so I'm happy about that. Um, so anyway, we're, we're going to do that next Sunday after service. Bring games, board games, um, anything that you want. Someone even asked me if, if we could do cornhole, uh, if it was nice out, and I think we could probably do cornhole if it's not nice out. There's, there's the cover out here, and if the cover's not good enough, we could probably set it up in the gym or, or the hallway or something like that. So, um, you know, so anything like that, we're just going to have fun and fellowship and laugh and have a good time together and, uh, you know, kind of keep our, our last Sunday of the month family fun day uh, thing rolling. Amen. Because I think churches today show up, they leave, and they don't really get invested in each other's lives. Amen. And, and that's, that's the whole purpose of our family fun days is to invest in each other. Amen. It's one thing for us to invest in our relationship with God, and we all should, and I hope you are, but we've got to take that to the next level and, and invest in each other. And that's, that's one way we try to do that here. So just to reiterate um, uh, what Bethany had already shared with you um, this morning. Also, uh, if you're wanting to go to Winter Jam, uh, I need to know today uh, the number of tickets that we're doing so that I can get that to John. I know a lot of you have already told me this morning and everything else. I've got to know today because he's going to put the order in first thing tomorrow. So uh, if you're wanting to go to Winter Jam with us, we're combining the churches uh, and going so uh, and that way we get the the lower price tickets as a, as a big group uh, and go in so um, we encourage you to to join us and, and let us know that um, today okay so just sharing those things with you I noticed there was a lot of talking going on while the announcements were up shame on you and um, oh wait did I say that out loud did that happen my bad um, but um, anyway I just wanted to make sure you got that because I didn't want someone to call me Tuesday and say hey we want to go and I'm like yeah it might be too late other than do something at the door. So um, didn't want didn't want that to happen this morning. Okay, I'm getting some really weird feedback. I don't know if it's just, is it because I'm in between the monitors? Is that what it is? Okay, I'm going to move up. We good? All right, cool. All right, so this morning I want us to look at a couple of different things. We've been talking about um, what's your story. And if you remember in the beginning of that, um, we talked with you about how God formed us in the womb, right? In the womb. Uh, according to the scriptures, Jeremiah, we've talked about that a number of times. You see it on a lot of posts that, that he knows the plans that he has for us, right? And we share that all of the time as a positive thing in the faith, and that's great. But what I think we fail to realize is we fail to realize that there is a personal touch from God upon us as we are created in the womb. It doesn't matter what we're created in, in some chamber or some room in heaven. There is a secret chamber talked about in Scripture, but that's not what we're talking about here. Scripture tells us that we were placed and formed in the womb with God's plan on our life. 
And, and I think it's important that we get it on that level, right? And because some might say, well, it doesn't matter if we're formed in heaven or if we're formed here or, you know, if we're formed on the side of the road as long as it's God doing it. No, no, no. I think, I think we have to really grasp the personal attention that God gave each one of us. Amen? God took the time to make me and to make you and create us for purpose purpose divine purpose and that scripture goes on to tell us that everything we needed everything we needed every power every anointing every blessing every every difficult circumstance that we have faced god gave us everything we needed while forming us to overcome those things in our lives if we are living in him and for him and with him that means he is present in us in the original power that he gave us when he created us so it is important that we understand that and it's vital to us that we come to that place that we understand that not only are, are we you know serving god and and saved from hell because of jesus's work on the cross but it is important for us to understand that our life matters our life matters and our life counts. And, and because of that, we have to come to a point and a place in our life that we have to surrender ourselves to God, right? And I think, you know, when you see the condition of the church today, I think a lot of us have just accepted a lot of stuff and we say this is okay and that's okay and everything else because we're more concerned about growing a church than we are growing people. Right, and, and I think it is important for us to come to a place that the things of the Bible matter. The things that, that God set out and said, this is bad for your life. That's still bad. Okay, it's still not good. I don't care if it's the 21st century. I don't care what, what we reason it with. I don't care if we, we, we say grace. Yes, grace is sufficient to cover a multitude of sins. But friend, listen, Paul made it very clear to us that when we walk into the presence of God and we declare him Lord over our life, there are things that aren't expedient. There are ways that aren't worth us living. Why? Because God formed us in the womb. God formed us in the womb with purpose and priority and has promised that he would walk with us in all of these things and we would overcome. Amen. He, he tells us in that place that he would literally tear down mountains and strongholds and, and, and places that stand and things and people that stand in opposition of us that he would tear them down so that we, me and you, so that we could build and plant according to our purpose, according to the power of God given to our life. That he would do the hard stuff. He would do the work. He would do the trouble spots. He would do all of the things necessary. You know what? This is getting all So the P's, the P's, I'm probably going to hit you with a few P's, all right? So just deal with that, um, because I, I mean it in love, okay? But what I think is, is vital for us to grasp and vital for us to understand is the reality of we have a story, right? And that story was given to us in the womb. And we struggle in life, and we battle in life, and, and we pursue things in life. us 
what will fill us. And some of us look for it in love, and some of us look for it in popularity, and some of us look for it in, in the clothes we wear, and some of us look for the attention and the power and, and the prestige that we crave and that we want. And we look for it everywhere other than where God is, other than the story God gave us in the beginning. And, and this is why we fell. This is why we struggle. This is why things are difficult. Let me tell you, when you're living a life of faith, you might not have everything that you want and everything that you need might be difficult and it might be a struggle and, and you might come to that place where you're kind of in that why me place. But listen, friend, when we start living by faith, when the ends don't meet and the difficulties arise, you live confidently because you know God has promised, I will tear those things down. I will bring those things to not exist or to not matter to you because my goal, my story for you is to build and to plant what I placed in you. And when we start living according to that, and we start thinking that way, and we start walking in the power of that, God does incredible things when we start living a life of faith. A life of faith is not dependent on who we are. A life of faith is not dependent on a bank account. A life of faith is not dependent upon the job we have. A life of faith is not dependent on our popularity. A life of faith is not dependent on any of the things this world provides. All of that is shifting sand, and all of that will crumble and burn. All of it. All of it. Amen? I heard a preacher one time when I was, I was probably a teenager, probably even younger than you guys. He stood up there and said one time, it's okay to have things as long as things don't have you. Amen? But what, what, I, what I actually find as I grow further and further is, is we justify the things we do, right? We cherry-pick scriptures, right? Because we live in the cherry we, we live in the cherry-pick, right, uh, genre, right, or the, the cherry-pick generation, if you will. We live in that generation because no one really gets into this anymore, right? We, we find the things that are easy, right, to apply to our life that says to everybody, oh, if I quote this scripture, if I live this way, if I say this, I play the part and everything's good, right? God's looking for more than that, man. And amen. And why is God looking for more than that? Because he has more for you. He has more for you, right? But Satan's goal, Satan's desire is to sift us, to divide us, to work in our life, and to separate us from God. Why? Because if we're separated from God, God can't tear down all the strongholds and the evil against us. Right? Because now we're walking in that evil. Now we're abiding in that evil. Now we're part of Satan's plan. Right? So he will just stroke us along. You know, I had someone ask me the other day, someone I don't know very well and everything, and, and he was trying to make a point. And he asked me the other day, he asked, you know, a few months ago or whatever, one of the lead worship people for Hillsong denounced his faith and, and walked away. And there was a lot to do on, on social medias about that and everything else like that and everything else. And he asked me, he said, how do you explain that? I think it's easy to explain. And he said, well, I'd like, I'd like to hear it. I said, we live in a church culture today that says everything's okay. We live in a church culture today that says everything is okay. As long as you show up on Sunday, you look the part, you play the part, you work through and pick, cherry pick your spirituality, 
it's all okay. And what does that mean? It means that we have created a culture, we have created a culture that's godless, even in the church. Even in the church. And so when people come to that dividing line, when people come to that place where they want more and they need more and they need to sense the power of God in their life, it's not there. It's not there, right? When we choose to walk in the path that God has supplied for us rather than the life we want God to accept, you got that? When we choose to walk in the pathway and the story that God has given us back in the womb, I'm going through puberty, so bear with me. Back in the womb, when we choose that over a life that's less to fit in, then the reality to us is that we are not walking empowered, right? At the very best, we're living an emotional Christian life, an emotional Christian life, and not a life of power and glory. And God wants to bring us to the place of power and glory. So if you will, this morning, in the, in the book of Ephesians, I'm trying to work on the P's, bear with me. In the book of Ephesians, God, God tells us this through the writing of Paul. Verse 8, chapter, chapter 2, verse 8, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, meaning you, you don't create your salvation. You don't create your salvation. You don't. You can't define the terms of salvation as it's given. I saw something on thing, and I don't, I don't want to be political in here, but some some of the, somebody in the presidential arena and everything else made a statement this week that because of his work in this level of activism. I, I, will, I will enter into heaven because I've stood for this and against it. Now, I'm not going to argue whether his cause is right or wrong, but I will say this. Whatever the cause is, that's not how heaven works, dude. That's not how it works. You're going to enter by Jesus Christ, or you're not going to enter at all. Amen? And we've got to grasp that today, because if not, we will have people who speak well, Right? And the Bible tells us about those. They're called false prophets. They, we will have people who will speak well, who will present well, and who will work inside your logic. Amen? That's why the Bible tells us not to lean onto our own understanding because our own understanding is flawed when it comes to God. It's why Psalms tells us that our wisdom is folly before the Lord because the reality is we don't see the Alpha. We don't see the Omega. We don't have a clue what the beginning or the end is, but what we can do is we can walk hand in hand with a God who knows it all. We can walk hand in hand with a God who will work in our life and move in our life with power and authority and do things in our life that are unprecedented in this life. Amen. You want to know why seas aren't parting today and you want to know why walls aren't falling down today? It's because the church is living according to the generation and not living according to the power and the word of God. Amen. We are so busy trying to tell God who he is and who he should be because society is this, that we're refusing to see who God really is and how we should really live. Amen? And because of that, even those who have stood in front of thousands and led worship 
exhorted from the word, find themselves empty. Find themselves empty when they try to hold on to God. Because what they're living is empty, what they're preaching is empty, and the emotion runs out. The emotion runs out. And we've got to know that. We've got to prepare for that. And we've got to be, be, be willing to work in that. Paul goes on to say, verse 10, for we are his workmanship. Oh, wait a minute. That's, that's almost the same thing Jeremiah said, right? We are his workmanship, right? God created us. God formed us. God put us in the womb and developed everything we would ever need, right? Two weeks ago. You remember that, right? God gave us everything in that moment. And then Paul, years later, right, giving us testimony to faith, says this, that we are his workmanship. Who are we talking about? We're talking about God, right? The emphasis was on God, that it is a gift of God, not works lest any man should boast. For we are his, or we are God's workmanship. What does that mean? God created, and God is working on our behalf. But then he takes us here. He says, created in Christ Jesus. Created in Christ Jesus. Jesus unto good works. I'm going to tell you right now that until we come by the way of Christ, we're a thief and we're a robber. If you're not coming through and by Jesus Christ, if his work on the cross isn't significant in your life, and if you aren't living your life according to his sacrifice, and you're choosing to live as he lived, then you're a thief and a robber. No different than someone who, who would do all of these things and find themselves empty and denounce their faith. Amen? And it's why I believe that, that we are at a crossroads in the church today. We are at a huge crossroads in the church today because there aren't enough men or, or women willing to stand in a pulpit and willing to say that God matters, willing to say that Jesus matters, willing to say that, that bringing enmity from your flesh has to be put off and has to be put away and make the tough choice not to live according to a generation, but to live according to the Word of God. And friend, uh, you know, it's, it's not popular. So I, I don't expect a whole lot of pats on the back this morning. But listen, I think it is important that you be reminded of these things. I think it is important that we, we be reminded of these things. And I'm not talking about legalism, okay? Because you know, some, some church people in tradition do a lot of really dumb stuff, right? And they make a really lot of unimportant things important. But it does mean that the things in the Word the things we choose to remove from our life, and the ways we choose to live, the decisions that we make and how we walk matter, right? It, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest, another, another unpopular opinion, okay? But that, that's okay, I'm that guy. But I'm astounded at the number of church people who defended the Super Bowl halftime party. I'm astounded by that, right? And yes, unpopular opinion. Everybody went really quiet, really quick. Oh, God, she's going there. Listen, friend, the Bible tells us how to adorn ourselves. The Bible makes that very clear. Amen. I'm not making any of this up. It's here. It is here. 
okay? How we dress, how we present ourselves, amen? And I'm not talking, no, there's nothing wrong with blue jeans and a sweatshirt in church. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is when we force ourselves to become promiscuous in front of people, amen? And when church people are defending largely undressed women dancing on poles in front of a national audience, there's just a problem with that. Amen? And it goes to what I was saying before, that we live in an empty church culture. We live in a church culture that is empty because it is not valuing the, the, the purity that God wants over our lives. And everything you say, well, Jay, what does this have to do with my story? You know, it was really cool that you told me God made me in the womb. And it was really cool that you said God placed all of this power and all of this, this prestige in me and everything else. But now you're just, you're just, you know, thumping on my head. You know, you're just, you're just badgering me. You're just meddling where you don't belong. Amen. Listen, what I'm, what I'm trying to get across this morning is the fact that we're giving up everything God gave us. We're giving it up because we're choosing less. Amen? And there's no better person, there's no better person to example that for us than Jesus Christ. No better person to example that for us than Jesus Christ. In the fourth chapter of Matthew, Jesus was, was taken into the wilderness. Right, led, I think scripture tells us, into the wilderness. What does that mean? It means he was in tune with the Holy Spirit. He was in tune with God. He was in tune with what God wanted and what God needed in his life. Amen? And so he was led. He was drawn into the wilderness for what? For popularity? For Facebook or YouTube followers? Or or, or this and that and the other? No, Jesus didn't care about that. Jesus didn't care about the crowds and the multitudes. Amen. Yeah, I know he didn't have YouTube and Facebook back then. Amen. But but he had crowds that followed him, right? Everywhere. But that wasn't his focus. Now, as they came, he loved them and he embraced them and he ministered to them, right? They became an important part of his ministry. Amen. But he didn't do anything that he did to accept the culture as it was. He came to change the culture. He came to change the culture. He came to to present to us a pathway to God that was different than the culture. And so Satan, finding him in this 40-day fast, this 40-day time of where all of his physical needs weren't being met and all of these things that, that, that made him you know, weak and, and made him potentially vulnerable, Satan decided to capitalize on that, and Satan showed up and began to tempt him. Here's what, here's what Matthew 4 tells us. It says, When Jesus was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungered. He was hungry, right? I, I struggle with, you know, like a two-day fast, right? I can't, I can't even fathom 40, right? It just, you know, you can take one look at me and see that no, Jay's never really done a 40-day fast, right? And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungry. And when tempted, when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. You see what Satan's doing here? Jesus had all authority and all the power of heaven, the same as me and you. 
right? Back in Jeremiah, God promised us all the authority and all of the power that we needed to write our story. And so here is example of that when, when the scriptures tell us that, that God, Satan, came to him and commanded him, use your power, Jesus. Use your authority, Jesus. You don't have to be hungry, right? Use what God gave you. And we need to pay close attention to that because the same Satan, the same devil, the same tempter is still roaming the earth trying to devour people today and he will come to us in the slickest of ways and say, use your power, use your authority, use what God gave you to make your life better. Right? Number one rule of Christianity isn't about your life. It is about you bringing others to Jesus. It is about you sacrificing self and, and reaching people and drawing people to the life of Christ. Why? So they might write their story the same as you're writing th your story by helping them. Amen? So number one thing we ought to realize is when, when, God, the, uh, when Satan comes to us and begins to tempt us, to make us look good and make us feel better about ourselves and, and to gain in popularity and to gain in self in any way, it's probably a pretty good chance Satan's in the mix, right? And that's exactly what Satan does to Jesus here. He says, use your power, Jesus. Right? Has God not given you all of this? Use your power. Turn these stones to bread and eat. You don't have to be hungry anymore. Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Man, we're fell in here big time. We're fell in here big time. We have come up in a generation that has taught us to cherry pick scriptures. We have, we have a lot of PowerPoint presentations on the screen that, that fill in the blanks here and fill in the blanks there and everything else that can be bought online at a hundred different places and amen and all you have to do is rehearse them and then throw them up there and make them look good and make them sound good and, and we do that in the name of Jesus and amen and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the teaching but what I am saying is when there's no anointing and no power in that when God is not showing up and spiritually drawing people to salvation for that, when we are not focused on the change that God can make in someone's life, we're just concerned about looking good in front of the camera and sounding good on, on, uh, on the podcast, we've missed the point. We've missed the point, and because of that, we're living in, a, in an empty spirituality. We're living in an empty place. Where there is no power and no authority anymore. Why? Because we've given it up. We've given it up. And I know, I know a lot of my friends are even going to question and call me out on this. But I think it is time that we get back to the power of God and we allow the power of God to move in our churches. Amen? And, and it is vital for us that we not live by bread alone. We not live by, by the idea of looking good and feeling good and, and, and presenting well. But we just allow God to move and allow God to touch our lives. And we go back to, to reading the whole word, the full word, and allowing the word to be alive in us and real. Amen? There's a big difference 
There's a big difference when someone gets up and the word is alive in them through the anointing and the power of God placed in them back in the womb. And someone who just leaves it alone. And we need to recognize that. We need to see that and we need to recognize that. And, and we need to understand that. It goes on and says, Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and if thy hand shall be, and if their hands shall build thee up, lest at any time they dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Man, we are tempting him, tempting him, tempting him today. Amen. We're declaring his authority over things that he never wanted to be part of. That's a dangerous place. That's a dangerous place. Satan tempting Jesus, the son of God. Tempting him to prove his power. Tempting him to prove the word of God. For what? For what? You see, that's what the empty, that's what's empty about this temptation that I just read to you. For what? To prove that, that you know, I, I jump off this cliff and the angels are going to catch me and take care of me? Shoot, I'm Jesus. I don't need the angels to catch me. I could jump off here and land flat-footed better than any cat you know. Right? You see, Satan makes a lot of empty promises. He makes a lot of empty challenges and a lot of empty, empty things. And we, when we begin to evaluate our choices based on the fullness of God, amen, which, which is talked about in Corinthians, when we begin to evaluate our choices based on the fullness of God versus the empty and shallow promises of the world, Right? Well, man, this is a whole lot more money. Well, man, that, that's, that's a better looking guy than my current boyfriend. Right? Or, wow, you know what? Maybe being married to this person isn't, isn't going to be as cool as being married to that person. Right? When we start to choose empty promises empty things, things that, that, that will burn, things that are nothing but, but shifting sand beneath us, we have now evaluated, we have now fully well evaluated the emptiness of Satan and what he promises and what he gives us. Right? You see, every temptation and every sin is meant to lead us away from the truth. It's meant to lead us away from the power promised to fulfill our story, right? If we see, if we look at Joseph that we talked with you about last week, and, and if we look at him and again and again when trouble and, and trial and tribulation and, and difficulty and, and just crappy stuff happened to him over and over and over again, Joseph never ran from any of it. And Joseph never ran from anything that God allowed to come up in his life. He just trusted God to get him through it. He just trusted God for deliverance. He just trusted God for anointing and power like Jeremiah promised us. 
The only thing he ran from was temptation. The only thing he ran from was the power of Satan trying to get him to choose something less. And he'll make it look good, right? He'll make it look good. I'm sure Potiphar's wife probably looked good. I'm sure, I'm, I'm, you know, Super Bowl halftime show, I'm sure if you want to look at it in that context, they probably looked good. Amen? I had someone in my office say something to me about it, and I kind of said, well, I just, I just think it's a little uncalled for. And uh, I kind of made my way back to the food line instead of sitting there watching it and everything else. And, the, you know, they made some kind of, you know, comment about my manhood and everything else like that. And I said, well, say what you will. Say what you will, and I have no problem admitting that those are beautiful women, and I have no problem admitting that they have incredible talents. I just think they cho- really chose a pitiful way to prove it. And, and to me, it was just even more disgusting when they bring a whole bunch of little girls up there and say, look, this is what you can aspire to, pole dancing. Can we reasonably, can we reasonably make an argument that that's okay? No, we can't. No, we can't. We can't We can't argue that. We want to empower women, and I'm all for it. If we want to empower women, let's empower them with Christ. Let's empower them with purity. Let's empower them with, with the things God gave them in the womb to be everything that they're called to be. Let's empower them with Ruth, and let's empower them with, with, with uh, Esther, and let's empower them with these women that chose to make the God choice and not the generational choice. Amen? I'm all for empowerment, man. I will stand behind it to the end of the day. Let's do it the right way, in the right places with the right things. Amen? And I will champion that cause any day. Satan goes on. And he says, again, the devil taketh him up into an exceedingly high mountain. This is where I want us to spend most of our time this morning. Oh, good, I got plenty. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Now, I've, I've heard a lot of people get up in the pulpit and say that Satan was promising something that he didn't have the authority to give. I beg to differ. I beg to differ. Satan is the prince of what? Of evil and this world, right? He's the prince of this world, according to Scripture. He is the prince of this place. He is the prince of everything we see that will burn, right? He's the prince of it. Did he have the power and authority to raise Christ up in a fleshly way and give him power and give him the ability to rule over the earth? Yes. Yes, he did. He's the prince of the earth. Yes, he did. He can influence my mind and he can influence your mind and he can influence the people's mind and he can convince the people. He can convince the people that, hey, this Jesus needs to sit on a throne. This Jesus needs to wear a crown. This Jesus needs to rule over you as long as he does it my way. So, yes, yes, he had the power to make him an earthly 
ruler. Yes, he had the abilities to construe thoughts and to construe, construe mannerisms that would allow Jesus to become everything Jesus could be in the flesh. What I think we need to do today and every day is we need to make a really good look and a really good evaluation of our rise to power, right? Our choices in our story. Because Satan's tricky. And he can convince you that this will tell the best story. He can convince you. Just He's talking to Jesus, the Son of God here, right? He's not talking to me and you. And he's saying, I can give you all of this. And he was right. He could. From a fleshly standpoint, he could give him the limited authority over this earth that he was promising. The same way, the same way in our life, that if we choose less than what God has promised, if we choose less than how God says, says to live, if we choose less and by in turn essentially worship Satan and essentially worship what Satan can give, we can get popularity, we can get followers, we can get, we can get pats on the back, we can make a lot of money, we, we can do a whole lot of stuff the easy way, Right? And essentially worship Satan because we sacrifice our real story and we sacrifice the power and authority of God in our life to get what we can have right here and right now. The scripture tells us to lay our treasures up in heaven where moth and rust don't, don't corrupt. But man, I'm going to be honest with you. There's a lot of us laying up treasures here. There's a lot of us saying that what I can gain here, not the Bible, what I gain here in this life, what I gain here, in this world, what I gain here matters. And I would say it like this. The story you write in the workmanship of Jesus Christ is what matters. And it won't look like the world looks. It won't, it won't be as the world is. It won't do the things that the world does. You want to rise in power and anointing and the authority of heaven? Quit doing worldly things. Amen? Because if not, you're giving in to this temptation of Satan where he says, I will rise you up. I will give you power and I will give you authority, but it will be limited by the things of the world. Because that's all the authority he has to give. The only power and the only authority Satan has, as long as you worship him, as long as he's in a comfortable place with you, is what this world can provide. Everything Jeremiah promised us was what God provides. The anointing and the power and the abilities for God to move and to rid our life of the evil and to remove the evildoer and to remove the mountains and, and the things out of our life that Jeremiah promised us, that all comes from God. That all comes from God. So see, we can choose less. We can choose less and maybe still accomplish great things, right? But empty things. 
things that gratify the flesh, things that, that, that bring us power and authority and notoriety, tears. Tears. Amen? Revan Hill, a great, great evangelist, great evangelist of the Pentecostal faith, one time made a quote, and, and he said, I could care less of any man that knows my name. But I want the demons to know me and fear me. I want the demons to know me and fear me. And you see, we don't gain that power by pleasing the flesh and pleasing sin. We don't gain that authority by doing it in a worldly way. We don't gain that intimidating factor in the spiritual realm by wallowing around in the flesh. The only way we do it, the only way that power comes to us is in the person of Jesus Christ and his ability and his power to change us and to move us in the direction of heaven. And that's what Jesus says. He says, get thee hence, Satan. Get thee hence. For it's written that thou, not sh thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. I'm not talking about the God of this generation. And I'm not talking about the God uh, of, of easy peasy. I'm talking about the God of the Bible. The God who parted seas. The, guy who, the God who shut up the lion's mouth for Daniel. The God who danced in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You want to know why we're not dancing in the fires of this life today? You wonder why we're not dancing with Jesus? It's because we're not getting into the fire of our spirit and our authority that was God-given to us back in the Word. So I don't say any of this this morning to beat you up or to kick dirt in, 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 in your place and standing in this life, but I say it to challenge you, man. I give you this to challenge you to quit choosing the garbage that this world says is okay and to start allowing the word of God to live in you and make decisions that will make you a powerful entity in the hand of God. I want every single one of you to achieve that. I want every single person in this place to walk in his authority and to do anointed things and to do the things that just like Jesus that night, even the disciples took a step back and said, whoa, what manner of man is this? You see, he could have been, he could have been an earthly ruler. Satan could have made it happen. He could have, he could have accomplished earthly things, right? And this guy from Hillsong, he basically said that. He said, I accomplished a lot of things in the name of Jesus, but the name of Jesus wasn't really alive in me and I'm paraphrasing what he said but that's the way I understand it that's the way I took what he said I accomplished a lot of things I made a lot of money but at the end of it I, I kind of 
it just seemed like it was for nothing. And I guarantee you this, when you accomplish great things in the name of Jesus, in the workmanship of his creation, when you achieve the powers and abilities given you in the womb and you start living and writing that story, I promise you it won't be empty. I promise you it won't be for naught. And I promise you the presence and the power of God in your life. Why? Because it's proven over and over and over again in this book. It has been proven over and over again in my life. You mean to tell me that a little bastard boy struggled for everything in his life, could rise up and have the opportunity to see the anointing and the power of God do great things in my life? By the world's definition, by the world's definition, I didn't matter. By the world's definition, I I didn't account for anything. By the world's definition, I, I wasn't important. But I chose Jesus. I chose Jesus. I made him my all in all. I was willing to forget family. I was willing to forget a spouse. I was willing to forget all of that in my life when I finally grabbed hold of him. I was willing to let it all go and just pursue him every day of my life. And he brought everything to me that would complete me. He didn't just bring me a wife. He didn't just bring me a girlfriend. He brought me a helpmeet. Why? Because that's what the Bible promises. Right? He didn't just bring me kids. He didn't just bring me accidents or mistakes. He brought me kids that I could develop and see their anointing and move and work in their life and empower them to become everything God intended them to be. And they show up. Amen? Kids, let me tell you what. When God calls, show up. I don't want to sit here and feel like I'm bragging about my boys, but they show up. They're where they're supposed to be, when they're supposed to be there, and they do it to the best of their ability. And I'm not talking about dad right now. I'm talking about a pastor who stands back and applauds that. Applauds it because it is rare. It is rare in today's church culture. Amen. Why? Because we're trying to please ourselves. We're trying to please ourselves. Friend, you want you want ministry, you want power and authority. Quit trying to please yourself. Quit trying to please the flesh and focus your attention and focus your energies on God. And I promise you, everything that you're begging and starving for will be given to you. Will be given to you. Amen. Someone said someone someone said something really braggadocious one day in this. This group I was in and everything else, and everything I've got, I've earned. And I just shook my head. And he said, can't you say the same thing? And I said, you know what, I've worked hard. Whether it was on the farm for my grandfather, whether it was, you know, working almost full time as a senior in high school and doing the things I did, whether it was cutting 20, 30 lawns a summer or everything else, whether it was the last 30 years doing what I do, or whatever, I've, I've worked pretty hard all my life. And I've always put forth my max effort because it was more about the character God gave me than it was about the job or the paycheck or anything else like this. So I've worked pretty hard. But you know what some of the best things in my life are? The things I've been given. And he looked at me and he said, what do you mean? I said, because sometimes God gives me things that the world can't give me. 
Sometimes God has put things on me and over me that there's not a soul, not a millionaire on the earth. Amen? Not even Donald Trump. (laughs) That's a joke. Don't anybody go there. Everybody stay in your zone. Okay? (laughs) But there are things God can give me that nobody else can. Those are the things I want. Those are the things that I hunger and thirst for. Those are the powers. Those are the moments. Those are the things I want to see. Amen? When Moses stood before the sea and he, and, he, and he placed his staff on the rock, he didn't have a clue what Jesus was going to do. He didn't have a, an idea what God was going to make happen. He just trusted in the salvation of the Lord. And he said, see the salvation of the Lord. And I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people that declare glory and nothing happens. Amen? Because it's empty. Because it's empty. But then there's some Moseses out there who still to this day will declare the glory of the Lord and God will move. God will move. I don't care if the world knows my name. But I want heaven to know my name. And I want the adversaries of heaven to know my name. I want to walk in the power and the authority of God on this earth. I don't care about YouTube followers. I don't care. You know, when, when we first started all this and, and we had to do the, the, you know, the videos and everything else. And I was like, really? That's just a way for lazy people to stay in bed. You know, I, I don't want to do that. And, and John pushed me and was like, no, we really need to do this everything else and our our feed was shared by my cousin in in texas who was shared by a friend of hers in texas and somehow it ended up into the hands of a guy in california who watched our service was touched by the message and reached out to me on facebook and and the 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 conversation was getting deep and i'm like dude can can i call you you i'd really like to talk with you about this he's like no can we just do this I'm like, okay. And over Facebook Messenger, I led him to the Lord. I helped him get placed in a church. And he's doing good things, great things. Nothing to do with me. Had nothing to do with me. Just because God chose to use us in that. Quit giving yourself to something less than what God has. And we do it every day. Every day we choose something according to the generation, according to the culture, and we claim it's okay and we say it's all right. But really what's happening is no different than what happened here with Jesus. I can, I can give you all of these things, and Satan does. Satan gives us all of these things, and he gives us a, a false sense of security, and he gives us a false hope and a false reality when all he's doing is building emptiness not writing a story. And, and, and even sadder than that, people follow us in it. People follow us in it, in it. Amen? And then Satan just sits back and crosses his legs and laughs because he's like, man, I got him doing all the hard work. She's, she's now doing my job. Building people in emptiness. Nothingness. God has promised a whole lot more. A whole lot more. And he's promised... He's promised a story 
that wonder, why do you think we're still talking about Moses today? Why do you think we still talk about Joseph? Why do you think, it's clear why we talk about Jesus, but, but why do you think we're still talking about Daniel in the lion's den? Why do you think we're still talking about all of these things? It's because these are the guys who chose to do it God's way with God's authority and God moved in power in their lives. And he changed people. He changed people. He changed countries. He changed nations. Because people were willing to do it God's way and not settle for what Satan offered. Amen? I'm telling you there's more. We all aspire to be that anointed, powerful person. Right? In Jesus Christ. But you're not going to ever accomplish it by choosing what Satan offers. You're only going to accomplish it by choosing what God has promised and what God has already put in you and is willing to edify in you to make a difference. And so I encourage you this morning to grab onto that. I encourage you this morning not to feel beat up by this, but I feel I encourage you to be challenged by this, to choose what God has offered you and not what Satan has offered you. Amen? And to finish, to finish the point, verse 11 says, Then the devil left him. When you tell Satan no long enough, and the power and the authority of God falls on you, he will leave. He will leave. He will know your name. He will see the power of God over you, and he will leave. Countless scriptures promise us that. But as long as he sees you're willing to play with him, he'll keep playing. But it's when we choose God, when we choose Jesus, when we choose the authority of heaven, his power falls and Satan leaves. And the angels came and ministered to Jesus. The angels came. And ministers to Jesus. Wait, what? Jeremiah promised what? All the power, all the authority, all the instruction, all of the need we had to accomplish our story. Oh, and now here the angels, here the angels were ministering to Jesus in his final moments. You see, we become what we choose. We become what we choose. Jesus could have chosen earthly rule and earthly power and avoided the cross. Right? He, do, he could have become a big deal on the earth and avoided the cross, avoided the pain of the cross. The cross, he, he agonized in the garden to be taken from him. This was his moment. It's more than I can do, Jesus. Oh, I'll just take what, I'll just take what Satan offers here. It's a whole lot easier than that cross. Right? Don't snore your nose up. Because some of you live just like that. It's a whole lot easier than carrying the weight of sin. It's a whole lot easier than sacrificing the things I want. You know, having all the money, having the big homes, having the great cars, that's pretty cool. It's pretty awesome. Having a great big following, Having all of these people that look to me for counsel, 
can't get any better than that. I'd give up. I, I'd, I'd give up a million followers to Paul Sister. Even, even better. I, I'd give up a million followers to dance with Jesus in the park. Amen. Think about that. Can you imagine Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in that moment? These three little nothing Hebrew boys dancing with Jesus in the fire. Amen? It don't get any sweeter than that. It don't get any sweeter than that when Satan throws every blow he's got at you and you just dance with Jesus in there. Amen? Burned up the guards who threw him in. Burned them up. And yet, they're dancing with him. Amen? Sometimes we choose less. Sometimes we choose less. It would have been easy to bow. Huh? It would have been easy to bow. Right? They were already getting privilege. They were already getting authority from Nebuchadnezzar. Right? All I got to do is bow, and I'm, I'm going to get more. Man, he'll really like us. Right? Not bowing. Not bowing. We're going to throw you in the furnace. I, I love their words. I am not careful. I am not careful. You talk about letting demons know your name. I am not careful to answer you. In this matter, we will not bow. And yet from that time, dancing with Jesus. And then some of y'all sitting back there thinking, he ain't got no moves. Right? I don't care. I don't care if I don't have any moves. Amen. I'm dancing with Jesus. I'm dancing with Jesus. You can judge my you can judge my moves all you want. I'm dancing with Jesus. Amen. Christ could have Christ could have left the cross. Had a whole lot here in this world. But he chose the cross. You want to know why he chose the cross? Because me and you had a story. You and I had a story. And we needed him. We needed him. We needed him. Why? Because generation after generation after generation, we had been moved away from what God intended. And the only person that could bring us back to God was Jesus Christ. The only person that could complete an exclamation point our story was Jesus Christ. And we needed the power of his blood to redeem us to a fall, from a fallen world back to a holy God. And that through His Spirit and His, and His testimony over us, we could live and walk in the presence and purpose of His power every day of His life. That's, that's what Paul meant in Ephesians when we say that we were created in His workmanship. Amen? And the need that we had of Jesus Christ to bring us to this moment. Why? Because when Jesus was offered it all, he chose the cross. When Jesus was offered everything that we strive for most days, he said, it's not good enough. I have a story. I have a story, and my story has the authority of heaven on it. It's not good enough, Satan. My story might involve a cross, but I'm not settling for what will burn and what will pass away. 
not settling for something less than my story so that whosoever will can tell their story. I will go to that cross. I will defeat you. And I will bring down your stronghold for everyone who chooses to walk in my name. That's the choice Jesus made. And because of that and because of that hope and because of that power, we can make the same choice. We can make the same decision and we can choose to walk opposite of this world and embrace the power and authority of heaven. But we have to choose. Just like Jesus had to say right here, it's not enough. It's not enough. Worshiping you isn't enough. It's empty. Being an earthly ruler and having earthly riches and earthly power isn't enough. It's empty. I choose God. I choose God and I choose whosoever will. And you know what? In that moment, he chose us. He chose me and he chose you. I choose whosoever will. And I'm building an army with them. And you will know their name and they will defeat you because of the work I'm getting ready to do. You see, it would have made things a whole lot easier if Jesus would have just said, yeah, that sounds pretty good. That sounds cool. That's exactly what, what I think I want. Yeah, yeah, I'll forget the cross. I'll just hang out with you. I'll play the part. I'll look the part. No one probably would have known the difference. His disciples would have probably been like, oh, cool. Look how, yeah, look how elevated Jesus is getting. That means we get elevated too. Awesome. Right? Like we like it when we get the pats on the back. We like it when people build us up, right? But at the end of the day, sometimes it's just empty. And sometimes we denounce it because we really can't find the fruits of it in our life or the life of others around us. Jesus chose better. Jesus chose better. Jesus chose the cross. And Jesus chose us. Jesus chose you. Isn't it time you choose him? Isn't it time you choose him over everything in this world? Let's stand and pray.
Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you.
Okay, real quick, if you all could give me two minutes, I just feel like we need to do this. And I'm not going to re-preach the sermon, I promise, Jay, it was an excellent word. Um, Been taking notes on my phone uh, since he's been speaking. I'm going to stand right here and stop. Um, And as he's speaking, things are just coming up into my mind. So just really quickly, uh, let's just focus for two minutes and then I'll pray and then we'll get out of here. if you're like me, your stomach might be growling. You might be thinking about what you're going to order at the restaurant. But let's just press in for, for two more minutes here. Um, I listen to Dave Ramsey all the time. And one of Dave Ramsey's quotes is, Remember, there's ultimately only one way to financial peace, and that's to walk daily with the Prince of, Pre- the Prince of Peace, Christ Jesus. He was a self-made millionaire, was not following Christ, and basically got a bunch of debt the bank called the notes and he w- he went he lost everything um so at mid-20s he went from millionaire to zero i just looked before i came up here his net worth now is worth 55 million dollars some of us in the church i feel like are so legalistic we say my goodness there's no way that somebody with 55 million dollars worth of net worth is following christ However, here's what I can tell you. He is probably living his story. Daily, he is speaking Christ. Daily, there are, I would say, the majority of the people that call into his show, they are not Christians. On a weekly basis, he is getting calls from a, uh, a same-sex couple that aren't married. And you know what he does? He don't beat around the bush. He talks Bible straight to them. He don't care what what they think. He speaks truth. So let's just continue with that thought real quick. You know, what is your story? The one that God put in you at the womb. I'm not to tell you what your story is, just like Jay's not to tell you what your story is. I'm not to say to Dave Ramsey, dude, you're worth $55 million. There's no way that you're living the story that God gave you. And just like you're not to tell me what mine is. However, it is our jobs to help lead each other down that story that God has put into us. But your story, that is between you and God and you and God only. Just like one day I'm going to die and I'm not going to hopefully be with my wife in a car wreck or something. But, you know, one day I'm going to stand in front of God alone. None of you are going to be beside of me, just like my story is between me and God alone. But I can be sure of this. If we are truly living our God-given story, we will be helping others. We will be teaching others. Maybe, maybe we're teaching them about their finances, if you're like a Dave Ramsey guy, if, if that's part of your story. Um, and that's kind of the path I feel that God is leading me down. But I'll guarantee you this. If I'm ever sitting down with you talking about your finances and say, you're, say we don't go to church together, say I have no idea if, if, you're, if you follow Christ or not, I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to be speaking Christ into your life. Um, let's see here. I don't want to miss anything. Um, and if we're truly living our story that God gave us, it will all be for his glory. I mean, think about this. Dave's net worth is $55 million. I will guarantee you, and I can tell you for a fact, 
he is giving away tons, tons, and tons of money. Um, so let's pray real quick, and then we'll get out of here. God, I just pray that each and every one of us here, Lord, would realize that our story is between us and you. And that it's not my job or Jay's job or um, our parents' jobs or whoever's jobs to tell us what our story is. But Lord, I pray that each and every one of us, including myself, even if we know what our story is, Lord, that we would just get into your word that we would begin to open up the words of Scripture and that we would be able to really hone in. God, is, this, is the story that I think is the story that you've given me, is, am I truly living it? And maybe some of us, maybe the majority of us in here, we have no idea. But God, I know that you want to reveal it to us. I know that if we get into your word, I know that if we rely on the Holy Spirit to speak to us, that you will tell us what our story is. And Lord, maybe it's a net worth one day of 55 million, maybe it's a net worth of zero. But Lord, what we can be confident in, if we're walking in your story, we will touch others. You will give us the power that we need to do what you want us to do, and it will all be for your glory. So Lord, I pray that each and every one of us, myself included, that until we truly figure out what our story is and the story that we should be walking in, Lord, that, that it would even wake us up at night until we know what it is that we are to do. We love you. We praise you. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In your name we pray, amen.